Hello, we're Muckal LLP, a highly successful full-service commercial law firm based in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the north of England. We support businesses, organisations and individuals all over the UK and beyond. And with this podcast series, we share business insight and practical tips to help you with the full spectrum of commercial law. Hello, my name is Amy Sergison and I'm an associate in the employment and business immigration team at Muckle LLP. I'd like to talk to you um, about the impact of Brexit on business immigration. So in this podcast, we'll talk through some of the changes and how these might impact your organisation and also hopefully give you some practical tips and things that organisations could and should be doing now to prepare for these changes and the new immigration landscape. So to summarise, 2020 has been a bit of a slog so far, hasn't it? Brexit seems like a distant memory, but we're rapidly cantering towards the end of the transition period and also the end of the free movement of workers from the EU. Some of you might remember that it was only in December last year that we had the Queen's speech. feels like it was a lifetime ago, but it was um, almost a year ago. And in that Queen's speech, it was announced that we were going to have a new immigration bill to end the free movement of workers. So the Queen's speech set out that this would pave the way for a modern, fairer, points-based system that will welcome skilled workers from across the world to contribute to the UK's economy, communities and public services. And you might remember that we've then had various policy statements since then from the UK government with their commitment to take back control of borders by ending the free movement of workers and introducing a single global immigration system. So... On the 11th of November 2020, the Immigration Bill became the Immigration and Social Security Coordination EU Withdrawal Act 2020. A bit of a a mouthful, so I'll just refer to it as the Act um, for the sake of brevity. Um, And this effectively repeals the EU free movement um, and it paves the way for this new points-based system that we've got. So the points-based system caters for skilled workers, students and a range of other specialist workers' routes, including routes for global leaders in their fields and innovators, but also investors as well. Those of you familiar with immigration in the UK will know that we've actually had a points-based system for about a decade now. So the principle isn't something which is new to us, but the difference is that with the end of the free movement of workers from within the European economic area in Switzerland, this is going to potentially bite for significantly more migrant workers than it does at the moment, as we'll come on to see as we go through the podcast. So the Act itself doesn't contain any details relating to the future immigration system, but this is provided for in immigration rules, and they have been updated towards the end of October this year, um, and there's over 500 pages of new rules to get to grips with, in addition to a lot of policy guidance, which is now on the gov.uk website, which was published over the, the most recent months. In the podcast itself, we're not going to have the opportunity to look into detail of applying to become a sponsor for skilled workers, but we have recently delivered a webinar on that and would be happy to share the recording of that with you if if you think that that would be helpful. So please do get in touch. We'd also look in more detail in that at the the detail of the points-based system and some of the other potential routes that may be relevant to some of your workers um, as we go through. So the current position with the free movement of workers is that any migrant workers from within the European economic area, and that is the 27 member states of the European Union, 
in addition to Liechtenstein, Norway, Iceland and Switzerland, and I'll refer to these countries as EU countries and workers as EU workers, just to make it a bit easier to understand. Up until 11pm on the 31st of December 2020, migrant workers from these EU countries can come to live and work freely in the UK and they don't need to apply for entry clearance or have a visa in order to be able to do so. That's all going to change at the end of the transition period. So from 11pm on the 31st of December 2020, free movement of these EU, EU workers is going to end. So it's estimated that this is approximately 450 million people who until the end of the year can come to live and work here without any restriction will then not be able to do so. We'll come on shortly to look at other options that these EU workers might have, um, but just a reminder that Irish nationals aren't included in this, so we have reciprocal arrangements with Ireland and Irish nationals will still be able to live and work in the UK without any restrictions and likewise UK citizens can go and work in Ireland without any restrictions there either. So many of you may have heard of the EU settlement scheme and have been supporting your employees to make an application. Just as a reminder, the EU workers and their family members who are living in the UK before the 1st of January 2021 are able to apply to the EU settlement scheme to enable them to continue living in the UK after the 30th of June 2021 without any restriction. Subject to how long they've been living in the UK, they are either able to apply for settled status or pre-settled status and the status that they get depends on how long they've been here. So for those employees provided they have been living in the UK by no later than the 31st of December, if they have five years continuous residence they will be able to apply for settled status. If they have been here since before the end of this year and have got less than five years they will be eligible for pre-settled status which is effectively a, a time limited visa and they can then apply to convert that to settled status when that pre-settled status expires. So as I mentioned the deadline to apply is the 30th of June 2021 and the process of application itself is pretty straightforward. If there are any criminal convictions for any of your workers the likelihood is that that application will not be approved so that is something to be mindful of from the outset and it's also worth flagging up the fact that the pandemic has had quite significant impact in the processing um, of, of this application so it is advisable to encourage migrant workers to get their applications in sooner rather than later to avoid, avoid any delay. It's also worth reminding your employees that even if they have a permanent residence card or they've been here for a really long time, they will still need to apply to the EU settlement scheme by the 30th of June next year in order to protect the rights they have got to live and work in the UK. So just to recap, provided your workers were in the UK before the 31st of December, they have got a grace period until the 30th of June next year to apply for settled or pre-settled status under the EU settlement scheme. For any new workers that come into the UK after the 31st of December this year, they will then be in this new regime and must have a separate immigration permission under the points-based system to live and work here. So this is where we're going to see quite a big significant change here and it's anticipated that the most common route for these migrant workers is going to be to be sponsored by their employer as a skilled worker. This is going to require those employers to be registered sponsors under the points-based system 
And as I mentioned earlier, that's not something that we're looking at in detail in this podcast, but we do have a separate webinar which breaks the application process down if that would be helpful to have a look at. So please do, do let us know. In terms of the sponsorship route itself, there are a couple of helpful points to note. So it is to sponsor skilled workers and the skilled worker route, um, it was formerly tier two general, was always at approximately a bachelor's degree level, which is regulated qualification framework six, but that skills level is reducing down to, to RQF three, which is approximately A level standard so this in itself is going to make this a much more accessible route to to a much wider range of potential migrant workers and additionally salary levels for skilled workers is going to come down quite substantially as well so there is we think going to be this expectation that migrant workers will expect that they will get sponsorship from a future employer so we're already seeing a huge uplift in organizations applying to be sponsors um, and inevitably there's going to be a bottleneck in applications as we get to the end of this year and the beginning of next as people start to think about options so we'd encourage anyone thinking about making an application to, to do so as soon as possible so in terms of the eu settlement scheme just a couple of things to think about um, are right to work checks and, and where you stand with that. Many of you will have been living in the new virtual world for, for quite some time and will be quite comfortable in terms of taking evidence of people's right to work over, over video and you will know that for some EU workers we can do this online using the share code and that will continue. The potential difficulty that we've got is that the Home Office guidance currently makes it clear that you can't ask existing employees whether or not they have applied for settled or pre-settled status under the EU settlement scheme because they've got until the 30th of June next year in order to be able to do so. So the guidance currently states that you have a duty not to discriminate against those workers and you can't require them to show you their status under the EU settlement scheme until after the 30th of June next year. But the guidance also says that you don't need to do retrospective checks for anyone after the 30th of June if you've already taken evidence of their right to work before that, which is a bit problematic for a couple of reasons. The first is that if you've got anyone who has joined you after the 1st of January this year and they're an EU worker, you will want to understand whether or not they have lived in the UK since before the 31st of December and therefore are potentially able to make an application under the EU settlement scheme and so it seems reasonable therefore to ask them that question towards the latter stages of recruitment to make sure that you've got everything in place to, to support them because if they don't have that right then they will need to have some other immigration permission to come and live and work in the UK. For anybody who decides not to make an application under the EU settlement scheme and it's not something which is necessary it's up to them if they, if they want to or not. The difficulty is that if you know that they don't make the application and therefore don't have the right to work in the UK after the 30th of June next year, then even if you um, try to do retrospective checks or ask for evidence at that point, you are potentially employing an illegal worker, which as we know can lead to um, penalties from the Home Office. So we anticipate you will be able to ask legitimate questions before the 1st of July 2021 because if you do find out that people don't have settled or pre-settled status after that date then you want to be able to move very quickly to investigate and potentially dismiss them fairly to avoid those penalties from the Home Office. One point to note about the EU settlement scheme is that there does seem to be, for all there's been about four and a half million applications so far, there are a lot of people who aren't that aware of the process itself and what they need to do. 
the government gov.uk website is helpful and has got a pack which you might find quite useful which includes a variety of posters that you can print off to pop up in staff areas and also some notes and template letters for staff just to raise awareness of the EU settlement scheme itself and what these workers need to do and so it's worth looking at that and encouraging staff to um, to apply and enabling them to do so so the applications themselves are done by android device or an iphone equally it might be helpful if you have one to make that available for anyone who would like to make an application to support them with that so what should employers be thinking about now the first thing to think about as as i mentioned is whether or not you need a sponsor license and if you do make your application as, as soon as possible so the new immigration routes open in December 2020 and employers will be able to apply and sponsor people um, from, from that date. So having the sponsor license in advance of potentially recruiting somebody if you're looking at your recruitment plans for next year will just be really helpful to ensure a seamless transition for those new hires and also make sure you don't lose out on the best talent available if people are expecting sponsorship. Um, so it, it's quite sensible to think about that now. Budget considerations and planning is going to be really important. And as I mentioned on, on the separate webinar that we've talked about, I, I look at the sponsorship process in detail, but there are a, a lot of additional fees and considerations to factor in to the process. We've got things like an immigration skills charge. There's also fees to apply to become a sponsor and fees to um, allocate certificates of sponsorship to your employees. So there is an additional budget consideration there. Additionally, it's going to take longer. To, to recruit somebody who's an EU worker. So factoring in that time to your planning will be really helpful and sensible. Right to work checks are going to change and it's worth just keeping your eye on the ground in terms of how that will pan out um, as we understand more from the Home Office about expectations for any potential retrospective checks for EU workers. But just make sure that all of your validation procedures are up to date and that everybody who has responsibility for undertaking right to work checks is comfortable and confident in what needs to be done. Another important but perhaps overlooked pointer is just to make sure that you keep yourselves up to date as well. So the gov.uk website is really helpful and you can sign up to get regular updates from there. They can be monthly or weekly or even daily and I wouldn't advise you get daily because you might get bombarded but particularly at the moment when things are changing so rapidly it might be worth just getting weekly sign-ups just to, to get an email notifying you of any changes so you are up to speed with what, what is happening. If you have um, are relying upon a lot of EU workers in your organisation, then it's worth just auditing your staff. And that's probably actually applies to, to all employees. Audit your staff team and your records and just identify where you have employees that might need support to help encourage them to make an application and prepare for the eventuality that they either need to make an application or will need some other immigration permission if they are to stay in the UK beyond June next year. It might be possible if you've already recruited EU workers, but they aren't yet resident in the UK, that you could ask them to relocate to the UK before the end of this year, even if their role doesn't start until after that date. Because if they are here and living in the UK before the end of the year, they will still therefore be eligible to apply for the EU settlement scheme. It's worth undertaking a, a review of your hard to fill roles, looking at skills level and salary to think about whether or not they might be relevant for sponsorship and also looking at future recruitment needs to see what you might need and whether or not that's likely to be a role that you can fill with a resident workforce or whether or not we might be needing to look 
externally at EU workers and, and the rest of the world. That might also um, give you some considerations to whether or not you need to apply for a sponsor's license. As I've talked about in, in a bit of detail, continue to support those workers that you've got who are from the EU and EU countries to raise awareness of this EU settlement scheme and to encourage them to apply sooner rather than later. Another point to think about is that it would be helpful to identify any potential frontier workers that you have. Those are residents in other national countries within the EU who travel to the UK for business they may need to apply for a frontier worker permit to enable them to do so after the 30th of June next year and so just look to see whether or not you have anyone like that in your workforce who may need to to do that. We also have a variety of different categories of business visitors so it might be that you want to just work out what your organisational needs will be in that respect because that is obviously going to bite for a lot more people now with the end of the free movement of workers than it has done currently. Equally, if your organisation has international reach and you've got employees and workers who are travelling to EU countries, it's worth just trying to understand where those employees may need visas and other immigration permission to continue working in these countries after the end of the year. And the gov.uk transitions page is really helpful and has now got a list of all the relevant countries with details of what needs to be done um, in order for workers to continue working there. So it's worth just having a look at that if you haven't already. If you already have a sponsor's license, then think about your current and future recruitment needs. Do you have enough certificates of sponsorship or do you need to apply to have some more so that you've got those ready to issue when you identify suitable candidates for new roles? It's also worth thinking about how things are working logistically in practice. So who have you got tracking visas and when they will expire? Do you need to upskill any of your existing team and offer training on the changes to the rules? Do you need to add more level one users to the sponsors management system to make sure that you've got enough people to help manage things on the ground on a day to day basis? And really importantly, as ever, ensuring that your internal processes and procedures are up to scratch and are kept under review by your team to make sure that they are as expected by the Home Office should they ever come to audit. So that was all that I wanted to talk about and I hope that that was helpful. As I mentioned, we do have a more detailed webinar if there's more information that you'd like and we'd always be happy to talk to you. So please feel free to get in touch if you'd like to discuss anything further. But many thanks for listening and hope that you all take care. Thank you.